0: What's going on, welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier, you can follow me on Twitter, Matt Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, March 15th, 2021. This is episode 57 of the program. However, you listen to this thing, thank you for doing so. Many, many ways to find the podcast. If you listen to just the audio version, you can find it basically anywhere you listen to your podcasts. You have Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, in the Money I would encourage you if you even if you don't listen to the show over there, head on over to inthemoneypodcast.com because that's where you can find all the other podcasts that are put out weekly, daily at this point, from In The Money Media. You can also find great written content as well as In The Money Plus over there. Again, In the moneypodcast.com. If you're someone who watches along over on YouTube, all you need to do is search bar Matt Burner, your show, you get this episode along with the 56 prior. It's going to be a relatively uh, tight episode as far as what the actual content is. We'll start off looking back at last week's Rebel Stakes. I say last week's, it was Saturday. Big performance from Concert Tour. Take a look at that. You can find that replay over on Oakland Park's YouTube channel if you want just the replay itself. But i talk over it a little bit, give you some ideas and some things maybe to consider going forward. Then we will roll into what would typically be the Friday feature. This week, it's going to be the Saturday feature. And we have two guests on. Tom Espinoza making good on something from a few weeks ago. Actually, for both of these individuals. Tom Espinoza as well as Gary Mannion. They're going to come aboard. We're going to talk about the late pick four from the fairgrounds on Saturday, Louisiana Derby Day. And the Saturday feature is going to be the fairgrounds Oaks race number 13. If you want to be where these two gentlemen are this week, next week on next week's show, you need to leave your selection for the fairgrounds Oaks beneath the video player on YouTube. If you are correct, I will contact you and we'll set up a time to record next week. And that'll pretty much put a bow on the show. Other than that, we're just kind of, we're in full derby mode prep. And I think now once we get to these hundred, these hundred point preps, this is when it'll be very interesting to see how things shake down because thus far, and you'll hear when I, I chat with those gentlemen in a little bit, I I feel like it'll either, things will either go sideways and the formfulness will break. And now you'll have all these new horses sort of thrown into the mix Whether or not they can win a race like the Kentucky Derby is is not the point, just that you get some variety or just the formful nature of this prep season thus far will continue. And what I will say is I feel like maybe it's not the most entertaining as far as chaos is concerned, but typically formful results, in my opinion, are indicative of good horses, of talent. So for these races thus far being as formful as they've been, I think that's a sign of how good these horses are. This group of three-year-olds thus far, I don't like to get too far ahead as far as that sort of thing is concerned because who knows what they could turn into down the road. But at this point, this stage in their season right now as a three-year-old, I think this is a pretty darn good group of horses. And we'll find out if that continues in this Saturday's Louisiana Derby as we go closer and closer to that first Saturday in May. But enough of that. Enough of that. Let's roll into it. We'll take a look back at this past Saturday's Rebel stakes from Oaklawn Park. It was the showdown between Cotto River and Concert Tour, and we had a, a pretty overwhelming result with a big victory from Concert Tour. Let's throw it to that, and then following that segment, we'll get into the Saturday feature and talk about the Fairgrounds late pick four on Saturday. Grade two Rebel from Oaklawn Park. You can find the YouTube video on Oaklawn Park's YouTube channel. Again, they do a great job uploading all of their stakes replays over there you can check that out all entirely for free this was a race that was more or less billed as a two-horse race between Cotto river sort of the local hope for brad cox and concert tour the west coast invader one of a couple in here for bob baffert and i suppose you don't want to totally gloss over a horse like keep me in mind who has his supporters but for all intents and purposes two horse race and the real question was going to be tactically how would the race be run because Cotto river as I had alluded to way back when, when I very briefly went over the race that he won not too long ago, the Smarty Jones, it's all well and good to win when you can control things on the front end. What happens if you don't get the lead? Are you as effective, or can you can you successfully rate off a target and still be as good as you are when you dictate the pace? Conversely, you had a horse like Concert Tour, who, while it seemed like talent was abundant, He was shipping out of town for the first time. He was going two turns for the first time. There were some obstacles that he would need to overcome. And let's also be honest, he wasn't all that flattered when you saw that Freedom Fighter, the horse that he defeated by a half length in his most recent start, the San Vicente. He came back and eh, didn't fare so well in in New York, in the Gotham last week. So there were at least some things. As we go to the tape, you're going to note right away, And, and. I know some folks uh, have made mention the ride on Cotto River was a little bit interesting in that you took away his best asset. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to pause the tape right here because you can see Joel Rosario above Concert Tour. They seem pretty intent on, at the very least, pushing the pace, if not outright clearing. And it's a little bit of a precarious spot for Florent Giroux down on the inside on the rail. Because if you just go tooth and nail fighting for the lead, You're probably going to end up costing yourself the race. Maybe you prevent concert tour from winning, but you're probably not going to help your own cause. And there's also the part of me, and I haven't seen too much of this being an argument, but I have to think there was at least part of, I have to at least think you want to find out if the horse can sit off of a target. So if concert tour is hell bent on making the lead, you know what? Let's try to pull back. Let's angle out into the clear, and if for whatever reason, a combination of things, concert tour can't see out the distance, maybe he's not as good as folks have made him out to be, uh, you name it, a number of different things, we're going to be in the catbird seat, take this thing over, and go on and continue on our path to Louisville. So I, I'm not going to critique the ride because, I, look, I, I'm at, you're at a point in time right now, you know what he can do when he has the lead. There, there's no there's no suspense, there's no build up for that. I, I know he's good when he can clear off to the front, I was more interested in seeing the race play out the way that it did. Now, concert tour, I was just fascinated that he went as quickly as he did early on. And it's not that he's never shown speed in the past. I mean, in both of his races, he's been forward, but the San Vicente, he came from about a length and a half off of it early. And, and that to me signified that, well, maybe this is a horse. They're going to be much more content with him sitting off of a target, which to me, again, if you have tactical speed, I, I think that's uh, the biggest feather in your cap if you can go to the lead, but also you're very comfortable sitting, which is what I was hopeful we would find out from Cotto River here in this spot. So they're going down the backside, 23 and a piece for the opening quarter mile. You're going to see the half flash up here momentarily in 47 and two. Look, pause it right here. I love the way concert tour looks on the front end. Ears up, not pulling, but he's it's not as though he's just waltzing along out there. I feel like this is a Look, I'm not a horseman, and I'm not somebody who, who's grown up around horses, but I feel like you can see the difference between a horse who who is, is pulling and eager a little bit versus a horse who is just very sort of lethargic and, and needs a little bit of encouraging. And somewhere in the middle, you have a horse who wants to go, but not so badly that they are all of a sudden expending energy that they need to be using and saving for the end run. I feel like this is a horse who is... Whenever whenever Rosario wants him to go, he'll go. That he is ready. You just push that button, I'll go. You tell me. Not one of these horses that you got to scrub on and say, okay, it's time to go now. we got to move. And also, not what we were seeing from Cotto River right here, where he just doesn't seem to be loving life right now. He wants to go. You see those ears pinned back as opposed to concert tours where they're just up. He looks like a big rabbit out there on the front end. I just love the way this horse looks. And this is coming from someone who, frankly, I... I I don't know, I wasn't overwhelmed by the Concert Tour in the first two starts. Thought he was good, but I thought it was a lot more sizzle than steak at this point. Now, right now, you can look at this race and say, this is when the real running begins, because you can see Florent Giroux trying to get Cotto River to get up there and really put in a challenge to Concert Tour. The problem is he just can't even get within a neck of the leader, and at this point, you see Rosario. He's got two fists full of dynamite. Look at the ears on this horse. He's loving life. He's well within himself. And and when I talk about ears and lead changes and things of that nature, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a horse who's doing things well within themselves. Because if they're doing it easily, typically means that they got a little bit of something left, that they've got some energy that they still, when the real running begins, when the rider says now's the time, they're going to have something. Conversely, Cotto River has not been comfortable at any point here. He just never really relaxed and I don't fault the ride. I'm of the opinion, find out sooner than later that you can or can't sit off of a target because now we can properly draw up a plan. If you're going to dance in these big dances, at least now, you know, you got to go. You have no two, you have no other option. With a horse like Concert Tour, he proved in that run two starts back or in his most recent start prior to this race, he doesn't need the lead. He can still be as effective sitting off of a target as when he's allowed to do what he did here in the Rebel. We turn for home. Rosario's never really going to ask this horse for his best. And look at everybody else. Everybody else is all out at this point. Cotto River is going to back up badly. Uh, you know, this right here, this is the sort of performance that had we not seen what we did last weekend from Life is Good, I would probably be sitting here saying this, this is the horse to beat. Because the, to me, on all fronts, this was a spectacular performance from Concert Tour. If you want to sit here and say that the field he beat wasn't very good, I'm not really going to argue with you. If you want to sit here and say his main competition was sort of taking out, taken out of his element because they relinquished the lead and he just didn't settle very well off of a target, again, not going to argue with you there. But I think, I think when you watch enough races, you can tell when you see it, a horse who there there is more there and while a 94 buyer speed figure is not going to knock your socks off I feel like it's safe to say that there was more in the tank and I know that's a very dangerous thing to do because it, it, that's not always the case horses don't it shouldn't be taken for granted that there is more there but that to me looked very much like a workout that didn't look like Concert Tour took a deep breath at any point in the run. Now, that that's not to say that if Rosario needs to get to the bottom of him, there's going to be a hell of a lot more there. But I, I'm at least open to that thought, that there is more to this horse than what we've seen thus far, that the distance isn't going to get him beat. It looked like he could go around again. I genuinely don't think he got out of first gear here. He did have a relatively comfortable trip, all things considered. You know, the, the pace situation, do with it what you will. Maybe it's a little bit on the on the tepid side. Um, if you're someone who likes to look for sort of adjusted fractions, Timeform US does something, uh, basically changes the numbers based on the way the track is and all this other jazz. 46.51 for the half as opposed to 47.53. That's the adjusted time. You know, I, basically saying that it wasn't a complete walk in the park. They weren't color-coded red indicating a a fast pace, but in my opinion, just my opinion, they were far from slow. And for him to just be out there well within himself, being able to gallop along and finish the way that he did, I think it bodes well. Now, again, 94 buyer, 116, pace-adjusted time form U.S. rating, 114 is the raw number. There's your 20-point differential, the 114 to the 94. Uh, It's visually he ticks the boxes, the connections he ticks the boxes, yada, yada, yada. I, I just come back to the elephant in the room that even if my sort of theory is correct, that there is more to this horse, he's, if you're talking as far as buyers go, he needs to find 15 points. And, and I don't, I don't know that you're going to find 15 points between today and and May 1st which uh, this uh, let me just double check here and make sure I'm not screwing that up. I believe that's the day the derby's run this year. Saturday May 1st. I, I don't know I don't know that you're going to find 15 points in the next 6 weeks. It's it's possible. He is paired up by your tops of 94. I always talk about that and how how I usually think that is a precursor of bigger and better. But 15 points and that's assuming that the big jump doesn't come in his next start, which I would imagine is the Arkansas Derby, which is about a four-week turnaround. I just, you know, I, I think they're in a, an interesting position, put it that way, with this horse, because I think any other year I would have fallen in love with this performance, despite the fact that it came against, I don't want to say inferior, but but slightly, slightly less than compared to what it seems like this horse can do. But I, boy, there is just that, there's that elephant, that unicorn, as far as numbers go. If you're not a speed figure player, I'll put it this way. If you're a visual person, if you, if you're a tape watcher, I would be very curious. Let me know beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Visually, concert tour, I thought was more impressive than life is good. But you get to a certain point. Where it's difficult to sit there and say, visually, I think we're, we're going to be able to make up the gap when the clock is the clock. It, that, that's a difficult thing for, for me to sit here and try to, unless you tell me concert tour is going to be 15-1 to in the Kentucky Derby, which he's not going to. I mean, if it, based on this performance and whatever he does in the Arkansas Derby, I and again, I assume it's the Arkansas Derby. I haven't read one way or the other. He's probably a top three or four choice. what is he, at best, 8-1, to to 10-1? I mean, maybe I would be mildly intrigued, but if he puts forth a big performance, let's say that the paired-up 94s do lead to a forward move. Let's say he moves up 10 points. Let's say all of a sudden he gets to a 104. Well, not only is that slower than what Life is Good did at the beginning of March, I would imagine you're going to get something very comparable in the Santa Anita Derby for Life is Good. So, you know, again, we're, I'm going down a little bit of a rabbit hole here, but it's just to kind of emphasize that I think this is a very solid, solid group of three-year-olds to this point, not just based on the speed figures, but visually how these horses have run, the connections that are bringing them to the races. I mean, I think there's a lot to like, but boy, he's going to have to step up. All these horses are going to need to jump up in a big, big way. If they're going to be competitive with a horse like life is good. Assuming he continues on that path. As far as the rest of the field goes, uh, Hosier, you know, fine. Nothing wrong with the effort, all things considered. Third time out, he earned an 87 buyer. You know, feels like he is that kind of horse that would prefer two turns. I just think he is miles behind his his stablemates. Um, You know, a horse like Big Lake, fine effort. Again, you know, I I don't have anything to knock about it. Just it's hard for me to get too jazzed about. What he did, the, the real one in here, the two horses anyway, Cotto River. I've made it clear. I think he is a need the lead type at this level right now. Until proven otherwise, that's how I'm approaching him. And keep me in mind, keep me in mind is a, to me, he is a perfect example of two things. Why speed figures matter. Because when you look at his entire body of work, he's run five times now. He has, on one occasion, run faster than an 83 buyer. And that was in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, which it looks more and more like was a suck-up special, where the pace completely collapsed, and he came along and picked up the pieces. But the Kentucky Jockey Club, despite the fact that he won, the race looks dreadful, and he earned an 80. And also, to me, not saying that he would have run, you know, in, you know, ex- exponentially better than he did. Missing time this time of year is—it's just massive. So that would be the thing that I would encourage everyone to keep an eye on. Just look for, and you can do it in, in different sort of stable mails or horse watches or whatever it is. In some of them, you can be notified with workouts. And if you've fallen in love with any of these three-year-olds this time of year, just any horse in general, to be honest with you. Missing, but specifically the three-year-olds at this time. Missing any time is just going to put you so far behind it's not funny. This is a horse who had to got his schedule kind of thrown about because of the bad weather that came through the South. He missed a a pretty substantial amount of time. He missed a little more than two weeks, about two and a half weeks worth of work from February the 8th to February the 26th. And, And again, I don't know if there was some sort of a little hiccup or injury between that time to go along with the bad weather. But coming into a race like this with only two works, that didn't put him in a good position to succeed to begin with, but you just, you can't miss time at this time, this stage in the game. These horses are developing so quickly that if you miss any time, you're just going to get left in the dust. It's just the reality of the situation. So uh, I'm not very high on keep me in mind. Um, maybe I'll be proven wrong in time, but without an absolutely dream setup, and even then there are going to be closers that I think are better than he is. Uh, to me, he's, he's nothing more than an also ran at this point in many of these big races going forward, um, to button it up from a prep rating standpoint, this goes to show how highly I I think of this horse specifically concert tour. I'm going to give this race an eight, the rebel, um, for perspective that would put it as the second highest rating or the, the third tied for the third highest. No, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Can't speak. In a three-way tie for the second-highest rated prep, in my opinion thus far. I have three races rated as eights thus far. This race, the Rebel, the Southwest Stakes, and the Risen Star. I gave all of them eights. The number one was the San Felipe last week, which I gave a 10 on a scale of 1 to 10. Because I think that field as a whole is extremely talented. We'll see what happens. Let me know your thoughts about Concert Tour, his 94 buyer speed figure, winning the Rebel as impressively as he did. Let me know if I'm overlooking some of these horses that ran in behind him or if I need to reconsider some of these opinions. Again, beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter, at Bernie or underscore Matt. Speaking of Derby preps, the final race in Louisiana as far as the road to the Kentucky Derby is going to be run on Saturday. Gary Mannion, Tom Espinoza, Coming aboard, we're going to be doing a Saturday feature this week, as opposed to a Friday feature. It's going to be the Fairgrounds Oaks, race number 13. I'm spoiling it a little bit. There's a little bit of a tease going into this this piece. But we're going to talk about the late pick four down in New Orleans on Saturday afternoon, culminating with the Louisiana Derby. Let's throw it to that right now. It's heard the Friday feature, and it's not really a Friday feature, if I'm being honest. We're looking at big racing on Saturday afternoon, Louisiana Derby Day, down at the Fairgrounds an all stakes pick four sequence to wrap things up. And I have a couple of guests here that have been one's a returning guest. One is a first time starter, but they have both earned their way here via great handicapping. We'll start with the newcomer, the fresh face, uh, Gary Mannion, Gary, thanks for giving us a little bit of time. And since it is your first time, let's get a little bit of background. How'd you get started? Where are you from? That sort of thing.
1: Yeah. Thanks again for having me. Um, so I'm from the Boston area. Um, as you know, Horse racing isn't really something you can come by day to day here. Um, so uh, I live up on the New Hampshire border. We did have a track up here for a while, Rockingham Park. Um, so that's kind of where I, I would go as a kid, see night racing, um, always a blast up there. And then, um, you know, forgot about it for a while. And one bad trip in Vegas, I happened to just decide to play a pick four randomly, hadn't played in a long time. And uh, I made some money and <laughs> made a Vegas trip worth it. And it uh, hasn't, hasn't been the same since. I really haven't let it go. And. Uh, it's only it was only a few years ago now, and uh, I started playing, you know, in tournaments as well, uh, online and cash tournaments as well, and I'm kind of hooked. And I've been here for the past few years
0: now. Worst case scenario, whenever you win, you always come back. It just it's it, it, it gets your teeth it gets sinks those claws in there, and you can't get away from it. And Tom Espinoza, a returning guest, I know we had when we first chatted, there was a little bit of a similar story there. You you were involved, took a little bit of time off, and then once you came back, you were all in.
2: Yeah, yeah, I haven't done any of the tournament stuff yet. I'm thinking about it. and I just don't want to embarrass myself too much. Um, but, um, yeah, I think one of these days I'm going to take a shot at, you know, I don't know if it's going to be like a pick and pray or what kind of. I know there's multiple variations of tournaments out there. So I got that's probably the next step for me once I get my handicap a little more uh, in tune. The one thing I would say about
0: anyone who, who may be a little bit hesitant to get into contests, uh, Michael Baychok said it to me one time very early on. He goes, for the most part for the most part. It's not always this way, but sort of a bit of a generalization. The folks who were in the middle of the table, as far as the standings are concerned, they never really had a great opportunity of winning. Because most of the time, you were either winning or you're running last with zero dollars. That's the way you win those sort of contests. You need to catch a couple of those big prices to sort of propel you up to the top. And in all likelihood, they're not high probability win contenders. You're not dealing with your two and three to one shots Again, for the most part, there's a bit of a generalization. There is a time and place for those horses, but he kind of laid that out to me, and I think that's something to keep in mind for anybody who's new to it or you're thinking about getting into contests. Don't be afraid to go out there and really drop some eggs and go out there and go goose egg for a 10 race contest because you're putting yourself in a good position where if you can catch two or three big prices, specifically cap horses, you're going to be right there when it's all said and done. So I would strongly encourage anyone, Tom, yourself, or anybody else who's either new to it or maybe is at least flirting with the idea of playing, don't be afraid of being wrong. If you're going to go out there, you might as well try to go out there on a limb and catch something big to get up there. So just my two cents for contest. That is tournament talk for this week. Um, So instead of a Friday feature for this week, we're going to talk about that late pick four sequence. I guess if we, well, I guess I'll I'll ask you guys for a little bit of consultation here. Uh, You know, of the four races, I think there's a real scenario where this could be a very chalky sequence. I think there's also a scenario where if you beat one or two of the favorites in these races, it could pay something pretty solid. Of the four races, I mean, would the most competitive one be the New Orleans Classic? Is that safe to say, or do you guys have a different opinion? Start with you, Gary.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I definitely think this was the tougher of the four, for sure. Uh, I could have seen myself go several different ways. And even when I honed it in, I kind of was leaning on what I think will end up being post-time favorites. But I definitely think that there are more options here where you could see something going in, in a way that was much more competitive. The other three, I wouldn't say they were cut and dry, uh, but I definitely think the chalk I would say more likely later later in that pick four.
0: Tom, do you think the New Orleans is is of the four races the one where you could probably get most creative or was there something else in the following three that maybe you think could lead that to be the contest race?
2: I thought that the the three-year-old Philly race. I think okay. That for me was a little more uh Difficult for me to handicap and i think there might be a price in there maybe somewhere um the classic i kind of looked at it we'll get into it but i it wasn't i didn't think it was that hard for me (laughs) i tell you what you know what so
0: based on that we'll we'll defer we'll go to the three-year-old philly race so if you're playing what we're going to call it the saturday feature this week race 13 the Grade two fairgrounds oaks and i hope Tom leads us in the right direction in the New Orleans Classic. We'll get to that in a minute when we start talking about the pick four. But if you want to be in these guys' position next week for next week's show, leave your selection for the New Orleans, excuse me, for the Fairgrounds Oaks. Race number 13 on Saturday down at the Fairgrounds beneath the video player on YouTube. If you're right, I'll contact you. We'll get something set up. So let's get things going. You each are going to give us two horses in each leg. If there's something wild that I want to contribute, great. I don't want to go too deep just because again who knows how much people are willing to play and spend on these sort of things. So we'll just go two by two for each of you. And again, if there's anything else creative or, or interesting or a tiebreaker, whatever it may be, I can chime in. We'll start off with race eleven. It's the kickoff leg of the sequence. It's the grade two New Orleans. Mile and an eighth on the main track. And Tom, you, you it sounds like you have a pretty solid opinion in here or, or a solid sort of stance anyway. Um let's hear the two horses that you, you were kind of looking at.
2: Okay, so the two horses that I'm looking at, um Number one was Owendale because just his speed numbers on the PPs that I have. I used uh, the Brisnet ones. Um, his speed numbers against all the other ones are, are pretty high. I mean, he's been running in some good races. Uh, you know, the Breeders' Cup mile. Then he went to the Clark, finished third. Uh, took a little bit of a break, came back, finished third at Oakland Park that last race. And then the other horse that I like because I didn't see a lot of speed in this race. It seems like... Uh, there's a lot of closers, and nobody's going to want the lead. I thought Chess Chief had a chance, might get out there, run on the lead. Um, he's won at Fairgrounds before. He won the New Orleans Classic back in uh, last year, and he won this. No, he came in third. I'm sorry, came in third. Um, he's been running at uh, you know cheaper optional claimers, and, and uh, but his last race, he took a break in December, came back in February, and the Mine Shaft finished third. So I'm thinking maybe he can get out there on the lead, uncontested the lead, and, uh, and hang on. He's uh, with three wins, a place, and two shows at fairgrounds. And, uh, but the distance might be a little too long. But, so I'm thinking maybe Chess Chief maybe can get out there uncontested and, uh, and hang on. To your point on
0: paper, it looks like a relatively paceless race. So from Tom, we have the two, Owendale, and the six, Chess Chief. Gary, what did you think in this race?
1: This isn't going to work out the way you wanted it to, Matt. Uh, I also was on Owendale and Chess so so uh, very similar idea. I, I don't, I'm don't. i not on Brisbane. I'm on Equibase, but all the speed numbers are off the chart for Owendale as well. Back class, I mean, he, he's missed on you know, a few races, but he's losing to horses like Bodie Express, Code of Honor, Go, By My Standards, Tom the Tot. Class alone, uh, he's far above the rest of these uh, horses. Chess Chief, I do think, uh, in his last race made up some ground, especially on a day where uh, it, a lot of wire-to-wire winners, he was on the rail, uh, stuck on the rail for a little bit, and he was still making up some ground there on the straight. So I I do think that uh, Chess Chief was actually, ran a better race than Sonamen, even though Sonaman, uh ended up on top of him. Uh, if I had to pick, like, a, a sort of an honorable mention here, I think sort of the wild card is the speed, I think we could maybe assume that Roadster might go to the front. I think that's probably, an easy, you know, an easy sort of connection to make that maybe uh, uh, Roadster goes to the front and keeps the lead. I couldn't really see anybody else other than maybe Chess Chief pressing that speed. Uh, so that would be my honorable mention. If I had to throw a third one, it would be Roadster. brother. I completely agree with everything Tom said about both Owendale and Chess Chief.
0: Well, and, and who knows? Apparently maybe we can put together a little bit of a team ticket here because Owendale, I think we're all in agreement. He seems like the most likely winner on paper. I personally have always preferred him going one turn, and they continue to campaign him at two turns. Brad Cox knows more than I do. I'm going to default to him. Mile and an eighth, I'm still not convinced that that's sort of his distance. I'd like to see him going a little bit shorter. Roadster was the one for me that I kind of wanted to throw in simply because he was a totally fresh face in a group of horses where Outside of Owendale, I feel like I can't make heads or tails of any of them. I thought Enforceable looked like a world-beater two starts back, and then when the waters got deep, he completely threw in an egg like he has done so many times in the past. And Roadster, his three-year-old form, his good three-year-old form anyway, would make him competitive in this spot as is. We'll find out off the lengthy layoff now going out from Mike Stidham what we're going to get from him. But Roadster was kind of the way that I wanted to lean in a spot like this if it wasn't going to be Owendale. So... We'll tentatively put together a team ticket. I don't know if it'll end up working or not. But 1, 2, and 6 for the New Orleans. We'll use Roadster, we'll use Owendale, and we'll use Chess Chief. Now we move on to the 12th race. This is the Mervyn Muniz Memorial Classic. And this has been a sneaky race over the past few years in attracting big horses coming out of the Pegasus World Cup turf. I can't help but think it's probably because of a lack of longer races this time of year on turf outside of... I don't want to say outside of this is more or less a a springboard. I would assume to get to the turf classic at Churchill on the Derby undercard the first Saturday in May mile on the kill row last week, probably a little bit too sharp for these horses. You get them out to this distance at a mile and an eighth. It feels very much like Colonel Liam will take a world of beating to lose in here. We'll start with you though, Gary, is it Colonel Liam and someone else? What's the story?
1: Yeah, it's definitely Colonel Liam and someone else. Uh, Three for four on the turf. I can't. I'm really hard to find reasons to knock him, other than you know the one race uh, at Saratoga. But other than that, it wasn't even really that much of a knock. So uh, I just think that uh, on paper there's there's no no way you cannot pick him here in this spot. And so I was all in on, on Colonel Liam. I did sort of wanted to get try and get a little bit of a wise guy pick, but it, it's not really when I looked at it again. wasn't really as wise guy as I was hoping. But I like Logical Myth too. I have always thought, especially turf races, um, horse for the course is something that you can't ignore. And when a horse has won seven, five or seven times on a specific turf course, I tend to say we can't necessarily ignore that one of those times actually being a second as well. So six for seven in the money on the course. And um, I just think that this sort of type of race, you can't knock out a, a horse like that. So I was going with logical myth with him. Um, and, and last time, actually, last time out, he did have some trouble Um getting into it as well so and he still managed to make up a bunch of ground there at the very end before uh being beaten whether or not captivating moon draws in or not or or draws into the other race uh we'll see uh hopefully hopefully it works out for me on that one but i i definitely think that colonel Liam and logical myth will probably be my obvious and maybe somewhat of a wise guy pick
0: a tradition unlike any of the captivating moon entered in about 15 races on the same card. You never know which one he's going to go in until the morning of uh, Tom for you. Uh, you know, I guess first we'll start off with, is it as simple as really Colonel Liam and move on or are there other horses that you're interested in?
2: You know, I just, uh, same thing here. Colonel Liam, it uh, looks like he, he's, he should win this race. And the only other horse I threw in there was factor this just because he won this race last year. And, Maybe he'll get out on the lead and hold. I think the distance, again, might be a little too long for him. Um, I checked the weather. It looks like they're going to have some rain up through Wednesday. So I'm not too sure how fast that fairgrounds turf course will dry out, but it may have a little given it. So I don't know if he'll, it seems like he runs better on, you know, firm than uh, any kind of good or yielding. But he's the only other one I threw in there was a factor that's just maybe get out on the lead. And if nobody goes with him, he might
0: hold. And that's when he's at his absolute most dangerous. He's the kind of horse that you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. He's always going to get goofy down the lane mechanically, but that's just him. And, you know, somebody like me who is very anal about those sort of things, you just have to accept it and say, okay, well, I know he's going to get goofy late in the race. But to your point, when you get him out there on the front, if he can control things, and he catches a turf course that, A, he's proven over but B, He would appreciate a little bit of giving the ground. I mean the best race to date came at Pimlico there uh on Preakness Undercard when he went out there and earned a 110 buyer over an absolute bog, yielding his kind for that turf course. That was an absolute slog out there, but he does like it soft. So fact that this is definitely one that you want to include or at least think about including, if for no other reason than for tactics. Uh you know, if we were gonna throw in another horse or a horse that I wanted to look at and give consideration to, I think it does go through Colonel Liam, but I thought cross-border actually ran pretty well. Now, the knock on cross-border is he is more of a nibbler when it comes to open company, and he actually fits best against New York breeds. Well, I I think this could be potentially an opportunity to look at a horse who you're going to get, I don't know, I would like to think three or four times the price that you are on Colonel Liam, when in the grand scheme of things, he was only defeated by a little bit more than two lengths. And at the top of the lane, if you go back to the Pegasus World Cup turf, I thought it was just an interesting position. Tyler Gaffalione was unable to follow Colonel Liam the entire way. He initially tried to get him down to the inside and then kind of peeled out and went on with it. I thought he finished well. I'm not suggesting he's a likely upsetter, but he may be another one that if you wanted to, if you had a bigger bankroll, or if you were playing sort of the old school Stephen Christ ABC method of going through and weighting your opinions, maybe if you want to throw a little bit of a saver on the 4 cross border as well, and that kind of brings us back to the ticket. If we're only using these two gentlemen and their picks, it would be one five six. If you want to throw in a little bit of a flyer, you can add in the four there, cross-border. Now we get to the Saturday feature, which again, place of the Friday feature. Just work with me here. We're always bouncing around week in and week out here. The Saturday feature, race 13. It's going to be the Fairgrounds Oaks for the three-year-old fillies. I, I found this to be an interesting race. I don't know that. I necessarily think it's going to yield a wild result, but I do think you have sort of that second tier, or I don't want to say second tier, the horses who aren't the top two coming out of the Rachel Alexandra, who can make some noise. Now, maybe you're not going to get 15 to one on them. I did think it was an interesting race, though, and I'd be fascinated to see how some of these girls run. Before I give any sort of inkling about what I think of the race as far as selections, uh, let's start with you, Gary. Who in this race were you interested in? Did I drop out?
1: Yeah, you dropped out. Sorry.
0: Oh no. Uh, well, basically, hopefully, somebody picked up all that stuff that I was just rambling out about. We'll just cut to the chase. Who do you like here in the thirteenth?
1: All right. Uh, so in the thirteenth, obviously, the first two horses, the top tier there, um, Clare and Travel Column. I actually like Travel Column better, uh, having watched the race. Having watched the Rachel Alexandra, uh, you know, first off, I think Clare saved all the ground. Right. She was she saved the ground, had momentum coming down the lane when she was running at travel column and travel column goes three, four wide. And for some reason, it looked like Florent Giroux wasn't really asking travel column at any point in time up until the very end there and does go to the whip. And as soon as he goes to the whip, she does respond. But by that point, the race was already gone. Uh, Clear air was already going to pass her. And, and that was that. And so I don't know if that was by design. He didn't know if he had what he had underneath him. Uh, he knows a lot more about it than I do. But in my mind, I was saying, I wonder why he didn't ask earlier. I, I feel like maybe, I don't know if he thought he had the race one, but I'm willing to, to accept that on such a small margin loss that if, if he had asked a little earlier, maybe he would have gotten a little bit more, but I, I, for that reason, I, I like travel column. I, I tend to shy away a little bit away from Clarier there and just stick with travel column. Uh, the other sort of wise guy pick, I guess, is the, the a Um the, the one uh, for coming up for Todd Fletcher uh, puts Irad on uh, the last race out uh, that um, the, was it the Ford Gal, I think, mm-hmm. um, actually ran, you know, it, it sort of had a tough start at it, ran up. Um, I didn't necessarily like her odds as the race was going on, but she still seemed to, to keep going. She still still seemed to grind it out, was fractious in the gate, step, or two, step or, uh, a step or two slow. Every reason, once she took that last corner to just kind of hang and not move on, and she did move on. She kept grinding it out, so I, I sort of like that out of her. They put IRAD on her. Um, So the third race uh, winner out of that race as well went on to win the Dale as well. So I think that there is some class that we can expect from that race. I think if there's anyone that's going to beat, in my mind, if there was anyone that was going to beat these top two uh, horses, uh, Zajel had that shot as well.
2: Tom, who were the two Phillies
0: you were most interested in here in this spot?
1: You
2: know Mm -hmm. what? If I didn't know better, I think Gary was bugging my house (laughs) over here. Uh, I have the exact same two horses, Uh, Travel Column, for all the same reasons and the same with uh, Zagel or or however you pronounce it. Um, yeah, her two starts, seven furlongs are stretching her out. I think she should be able to get the distance. But, uh, yeah, both those starts that she had, she just kind of, it, it looks like maybe she doesn't break that great out of the gate. I know that her last start, she was flipping her head stuff right before the start. She didn't. But, but both of those races, she just, once the gate opened, she just progressively went right through the field and, on the turn and the stretch, you just uh, hit the lead and kept on going. So I'm thinking maybe a price. I think, uh, you know, everybody's going to bet Travel Column and air and probably other couple of horses. So we might get a price on that on that horse if she can get the distance. And it's a tough ask, you know. She's shipping stretching out, but you know you got to try to find a price somewhere along the way. Now before I give my opinion in here, I'll, I'll start with
0: you, Tom, and then I'll, I'll circle back to you, Gary. You, you both mentioned Travel Column. Is it that you don't like Clarier, or you just prefer Travel Column that much more?
2: Uh, I guess I'll go, I just, I just like Travel Column. It, it looks like, you know, she's just run well from the start. You know, Clarier is not, you know, Clarier is the same thing, run great. But I think Travel Column might just get a better trip and maybe be in a better position uh, coming down the stretch. And I think Clarier might have to make up some ground, and it's more trip-dependent for that horse than for travel column.
0: Gary, similar reasoning for you, or was there something uh, of a red flag?
1: No, yeah, same thing. I don't, no knock against Clarier at all. Uh, this is their third meeting now. Uh, the first meeting, travel column, I think, looked a lot better, and just that that was my preference. And this last race, I think Clarier had, or both of them, sort of had the excuses as to why. Um, it ended up the way it did. So I just prefer a travel column over
0: her. Now this this is a race that I will certainly throw my hat into the ring. This is a race where I actually have an opinion I really like, and I'm hopeful that she ends up going off at a decent price and I'm working to try to get a future bet in on her before the race is run on Saturday. I like Lil Tootsie a lot. Now I I don't know what the, the full story is here. I understand they stretched her out after a bit and I haven't read anything. I assume she's going in this spot. I think the two runs on wet tracks, she has run well in spite of that circumstance. I don't think she's a horse that really appreciates it. You go to the only dry start from a figure standpoint, that not only makes her one of the fastest, it might make her the fastest horse in the race, and we've talked about it from a tactical standpoint, in a race that it doesn't seem like there's a ton of gas, I think Travel is going to sit just off Lil Tootsie, and if you allow this filly to get out there, and if my sort of you know, and I think you're supposed to do this in handicapping, try to draw up sort of scenarios and narratives about why a horse may or may not improve, whatever the case may be. If she gets a fast strip and she can potentially control the pace, albeit against much tougher, I want to give Lil Tootsie a little bit of a look in here at what I'm hopeful is going to be a decent price, maybe in that four or five to one range, given the presence of the two horses out of the racial Alexandra, Pletcher's horse coming in from South Florida, and then Mott's horse as well. So, I'm going to throw the number four, little Tootsie, into our little play here just simply because you guys were in lockstep about who you like in this spot, so we can afford to add in another piece here. So we are going to the final leg now. It's the big one, Louisiana Derby. I love that they've moved it to a mile and three ths last year. I think it's one of those interesting little wrinkles that, you know, 16th of a mile may not sound like much, but I, I would rather go into Louisville knowing that I can handle a mile and three ths than go from that mile and an eighth and have it just be a total on unknown if we can get out an extra quarter mile or excuse me an extra eighth of a mile to the mile and a quarter you don't have a giant field and I think a lot of it has to do with how successful the New Orleans based horses have been thus far I do appreciate a horse like Hot Rod Charlie shipping in the connection saying you know what we're going to take a chance there's no no sense in, in trying to duck the competition. And the beautiful thing about these 100-point preps, you run second, you're in. Your 50 points are going to be enough for you to get a starting spot the first Saturday in May. Tom Espinoza, we'll start with you. Who are the two horses you're most interested in here for the Louisiana Derby?
2: Okay, so the two that I I like the most, um, being a West Coast guy, I got to go with Hot Rod Charlie. I think it's good. I, was, uh, I watched that RB Lewis, and I was actually watching the ABR with, uh, I think, you and... Yep. Uh, and Wren uh, Ren picked Hot Rod Charlie, and there was some bumping around there right at the finish, and it helped with my place bet because uh, they didn't DQ, DQ my horse. But um I, I think, you know, coming second off the layoff, and I think I just saw yesterday, I was looking at my emails late last night, that uh he had to work at Santa Anita five furlongs in a minute. Um, So it seems like he's, he's new to second off the layoff, and, you know, he's, he's getting away from, I mean, I'm not dropping any big secret, but I think the Southern California horses this year are probably much the best for in the Triple Crown. Um, you know, he ran against uh, oh, what's the name of that horse? Uh, Roman Centurion, Medina Spirit, and those two just came back and ran against Life Is Good. Uh, Medina Spirit finished second, but Life Is Good was, you know, I think eight leagues clear or something. So, you know, he's been running against some good horses. So, I think I think he has a big shot. And then just Mandaloon, um, based on his last race, um, he's working really well, too. You know, he has experience over the ground. And, um, yeah, I, I think he looks really good. So those are the two that I went with this race. Gary, which two horses were you most interested in?
1: Like, I'll give you a guess, which two. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, we're making for riveting uh, riveting stuff to watch here. But I also pick Hot Rod Charlie and Mandaloon. Mandaloon, the only blemish on his record is LeComte, and that was just a merry-go-round race. It, it just there there was no making up any ground in that race for me. So it you just wanted to be on or near the lead that day. Uh, and so I'm willing to look past that one race and I really have no knocks I can put against Mandaloon. Hot Rod Charlie, same thing. You know, after the runners up in the Breeders' Cup, he had to take more of a serious look at him. Just you know, just missing beating a central quality, now seeing a central quality win in the Southwest. Uh you know his next out um hot rod charlie's next out was the robert b lewis stumbled at the start had to come you know back from about five lengths still ran well down the stretch uh even it looked like he wasn't going to catch a leader and it looked like sort of this wall of horses was coming up and was going to swallow him up he ran on um and then lost by a neck on the wire um and then that in the, the robert b lewis the winner media sprint went on to finish second in the san Felipe. spielberg ended up finishing second in the southwest so I think it's we're not like he said no big secrets here at the West. I think the West Coast horses um, are something we need to keep an eye on this season, every season, especially uh, in the Triple Crown. But I really like Hot Rod Charlie in this spot, so that's what
0: mm-hmm. I'm going with. So there are we are all in agreement with those two horses. I mean, I I think Hot Rod Charlie is a legitimate talent. I questioned him coming out of his two-year-old form. I didn't know what to make of that Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Well, it looks like it's been a decent race. I don't think it's a spectacular race, but it's solid enough, and he is a main reason for that. I, I think Mandaloon is the goods. I think he deserves to be among the favorites for the Kentucky Derby. Uh, The only other horse that I would throw in, and the way that things have gone with you guys being in agreement so much, we can add in another horse if we really want to. Um, The most recent start for Mandaloon featured Blinkers for the first time, and I felt like you saw a a different horse there, a much more focused horse. He he was willing to go on because I thought he hung pretty badly in his run prior in the Risen Star, excuse me, in the LeCompte. I think you're going to get something very similar with first-time Blinkers for Proxy here. This afternoon on Saturday. And the problem that I have with that is I'm expecting another forward move from Mandaloon second time with the blinkers on. And you add in the fact that you got to deal with Hot Rod Charlie from the West Coast. And you got to deal with, uh, you know, some other interesting shooters in here. I, I don't want to totally, you know, discount Midnight Bourbon. I don't want to discount the fresh face for Brett Calhoun coming in, taking on winners for the first time. I thought he looked good, breaking his maiden most recently. But Proxy was really the one for me. I'm expecting a Mandaloon-like move forward for him. The problem is I think Mandaloon's going to move forward as well. So if you wanted to, you could add in the four proxy. And if you're playing a little bit of a team ticket here, I was afraid that it was going to end up being some giant number. You put them all together. If we went three by four by three by three, you're looking at $54 for a 50 cent play. Not terrible. Maybe a little bit pricey for some folks. But just to recap, it would be the one, the two, and the six in the first leg. The one, the five, the six... And if you wanted to add the four that I had thrown in there for the second leg, the one, the four, and the eight in the third leg, and the five, the six, and if you want to add in the four, proxy is a little bit of a flyer for that fourth and final leg down at the fairgrounds on Saturday, by all means. I hope that we have given you at least some ideas, whether you want to press on some of these opinions that clearly we have some agreement with. If you want to add in a couple flyers here or there, the best thing is it's all up to you. You're the handicapper. You're the one that whose opinion really matters. You're the one betting your own money. So do what what you think you need to do. If you're looking to play in the Saturday feature this week and be where these gentlemen are next week, all you have to do leave your selection for the Fairgrounds Oaks race number thirteen on Saturday beneath the video player on YouTube. I'll contact you if you're correct. We'll get something set up. It should be a good day of racing, and at the very least, you're going to know at least. Well, I shouldn't say that because let's say it's a formful result in the Louisiana Derby. You're really not going to learn a heck of a lot more as far as who's in or out of the starting gate for the first Saturday in May, because if Mandaloon goes on and wins or runs second, or if Proxy wins or runs second, or even Hot Rod Charlie, I mean, these are all horses who are probably going to be in the gate anyway. So maybe it would just make those other races down the road in a couple of weeks that much more important. Uh, before we wrap things up, we'll start with you, Tom. Uh, as far as the three-year-olds go, uh, you know, last week I waxed poetic about, trying to put into perspective sort of the performance from life is good this early in the year. Do you feel like the race goes through him or is there another three-year-old that you're interested in?
2: You know, from what I've seen, it's, it's life is good. I mean, I, I, I even, I think I tweeted or tweeted it or put it on the ABR that you were on, but I vowed 2021, I was going to stop trying to beat uh bathroom when he had the best horse. You know, I, <laughs> Every, after every race, I'm hit myself, you know, it's like, why did you bet the Baffert horse, put my horse, my selection second? So, yeah, I, I don't see anybody, you know, not at his, his level right now. And there's still some time, but, yeah, I think it's it's got to be life is good right now.
0: Gary, overall, what do you think of the three-year-olds thus far? This race, you can, uh, you know, obviously, if there's somebody in here you love, if it is a hot ride Charlie or somebody else, or is it as simple as right now, if you're a figure player, it's kind of hard to get around. Life is good.
1: It is kind of hard to get around. Life is good, I, I, but I, there are a couple of the horses I feel like I can't yet knock. Right, like Central Quality is still hmm. another one that I, I'm really having a hard time saying. Oh, absolutely not yet. I guess we'll have to wait and see where where he shows up next um, and whether or not he shows up at the, in the Arkansas Derby, but. Uh, I, I, life is good. It, it's hard to get it right. It is, is going to be hard to get around that knowing that, but I, for some reason I feel maybe because of such a warped year last year, I feel like there are a lot more moving pieces now trying to figure things out as were last year I, we had a few extra months to kind of go over this before the derby showed up. So, uh, I, 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 life is good. It is going to be tough to get around, but I, I kind of like central quality still at this point.
0: I think it's safe to say, even if you don't, I don't want to say if you don't love life is good, but if you're someone who does look at it and say, you know what, we still have some time. We got to see how these races shake out. I think a very safe statement is it feels like right now everything is very, very formful and we'll find out if Saturday's Louisiana Derby throws a bit of a monkey wrench into things or if that sort of formfulness continues and we keep having sort of a top heavy list of candidates as far as the first Saturday in May is concerned. Gary Mannion, Tom Espinoza, gentlemen, thank you for your time this afternoon. Hopefully we have helped out the listeners and the viewers trying to, if they're putting together something for for the fairgrounds on Saturday, whether it's the pick five, the pick four, a, a daily double, whatever the case may be, hopefully we've helped them out a little bit. I appreciate your time. Good luck this weekend. We'll talk again soon thanks again to gary Mannion and tom espinoza for helping out with the saturday feature this week and again fairgrounds race 13 the fairgrounds oaks if you want to be involved you got to leave your selection beneath the video player on youtube if you're correct i'll contact you we'll make it happen for next week's show uh questions comments concerns any of the above anything at all really for that matter beneath the video player on youtube or on twitter at bernier underscore matt you can follow me over there as well however you listen to this thing thank you for doing so Please rate, review, and subscribe if you're over on YouTube. Give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down, whatever it may be. We keep plugging along. There's more and more great content coming out. I can—I I don't know if it's—it's it's official, but not official yet. We can talk about it a little bit. Uh, the Horseplayer Happy Hours are coming back in short order. Give it a few weeks; they'll be right back. And, and we have—I think—a very exciting sort of run coming in. We're putting the final touches on that, uh, so that'll be prepared for that sort of thing and be sure to get involved. You know, I mentioned if you're new to contests and maybe you're, you know, a little intimidated by it or whatever the case may be, no better time to get involved than with those horse player happy hours. We have fun with it in the afternoons. Um, they're usually Thursdays or Fridays, but again, there'll be more details on that as we get a little bit closer. Uh, again, this is episode 57. However you listen, thank you so much for doing so. Be back next week. We'll be talking about the Louisiana Derby, and we'll be getting ready for even more crazy prep. I mean, if I take a look next Saturday, this following Saturday, not this coming, the following, you're going to have 300-point preps for the Kentucky Derby. I mean, we, we are in the thick of it now. Start, start beginning to formulate your opinions. I know a lot of things can happen between now and then, but better to be prepared than unprepared. This Derby field is coming together here pretty well, and we'll find out what happens down in New Orleans on Saturday. Looking forward to it. It should be a great race. Again, thanks to the guests this week, and thanks to you for listening or watching wherever you are. And with that, we'll wrap up Episode 57 and say best of luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. This has been the Matt Bernier Show.